podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. everybody, welcome to Heart and Hand Extra. My name's David Edgar, I'm your host, and I'm joined this week by Andy McGowan. Good evening, Andy. Hi, David. How is Snowbound Sterling this weather? It's like being in The Thing. Remember that <laughs> horror film? Yes. <laughs> Outpost 31, that's where I stay. And what's it like now with the snow? No, I was actually just slagging Andy before we went on air a bit. I said, you know, apparently the weather's getting worse the further east you go, which is clearly a sign from God that uh, you should get as westerly as you could. But um, the snow didn't stop Rangers this week, Andy, um, as we proved that we are probably the deadliest force uh, going through snow since the Empire on Hoth that time after 6 1 at air. 4-1 against St Johnston on Tuesday night and for, what, an hour? Rangers were pretty irresistible. Aye, they were very good. We're, we're, uh, we're cooking with gas, as they say. Yes. Um, and it's, it's very good to see because something's clicked and it's not just a one-off for a change, it's actually happening every week. And uh, there's something cooking, I would say. They look different, don't they? There's just something about the way that they are carrying themselves at the moment into matches that the major thing for me is that they don't let a setback get to them which they did constantly and that they have almost this expectation that if they just keep playing their football then it will be good enough to beat the opposition and it's been a long time since that you've gone in as a fan I think into a Rangers match really confident and then the team show you why you were confident and it's, it's, it's a lovely feeling I've missed it yeah, definitely. It, it, it might be just as simple as confidence and belief, and uh, that might sound really, really simple. But that just you kind of just turn that on in a team that has to build over time. There has to be something that uh, justifies having confidence and belief, and the, the, the results of of giving them that individually, like Sawindas, Tavernier, guys like that. You can see it as a definite, but as a whole, and I do think as well the biggest difference between this and, and Pedro's team. Is there's a there's been a definite uplift in quality. Yes. So true. the first half on Tuesday night was three bits of quality basically, and um, and, and we're, we're able to get that advantage early doors sometimes. Well, that's a, that is a huge thing for us, and uh, you know me, I bang on all the time about if we get the first, get the second quickly, and that does knock the stuff in at St Johnson, which it which it did the other night, but. <laughs> The quality of the goals were, you know, outstanding. Okay, the first one was a penalty, but the quality of the three goals after that were absolutely outstanding. I think that the, I believe it was Wes rolls the ball out eight passes later. Josh Windass is sticking it away in the back of the net, and mm-hmm. look, that's not a one-off. We can point mm-hmm. to probably five or six goals since the winter break that we've scored that have been like that, and. Look, we're Rangers fans, we're realistic, so we will always go, ah, well, the, the opposition didn't play well or the defence isn't too good, but we still need to do it and we still need to be capable of putting together moves like that. It was the same defence as earlier this season, <laughs> you know, and we couldn't mm-hmm. we couldn't do that. Yeah. I mean, even the penalty, David, the, the penalty came about for a, a quarterback pass for Goss mm. after patient play and, and it was right over the top of them. 
So the the um, the quality of play is back to reminiscent of the early days of Warburton when you looked at the team and you seen that it was passion, fluid football. Everybody seemed to know where they were, where their colleagues would be, and they were just riffing off each other. And that's what's happening now. They, they, they're taking a touch, they're moving, they're passing. Everybody knows where each other is. There's wee passes around the corner to each other. It's, it's really something uh, very, very promising. But the goals are fantastic. I thought the second goal, you see, I counted 10 passes. No, no, could have been. Uh, I, I'm willing to accept that I got that one wrong. I, I could be wrong, David. But, Let, um, let's split the difference. Nine. <laughs> Right, nine. It was, it was. Uh, what was good about it is it's not passing for passing's sake. No. What we're doing is we're passing the ball when we need to in the areas that we have to, i.e. across the back four, but then there's some purpose. And the key difference is Goss. So we can talk about how Candy is, is coming to the game and Windass and everybody else. Goss has been, for me, the big, big difference since the transfer window because he is the guy that's literally pulling the strings for us and um, making himself available for his teammates. Uh, I think I said something to you earlier in the season after a poor result, um, something along the lines of that we wouldn't win things with the likes of Jason Holt and Danny Wilson. And it wasn't to be disparaging to them, it was just to say look, there had to be more quality and more skill and ability in the team. And I think Goss epitomises that. So Holt's out the team just now. Could be player, I like him, excellent squad player, I would trust him in any game. But when you've got Goss in the team, you've got a wee bit more range of passing, you've got more clinical um, uh, passes in the, in the final third, and you've even got a goal threat for the guy, better set of pieces, everything. So it's those wee kind of tweaks that have brought the, the overall quality of the team up, and I think guys or other players are responding to that. The Goss Doherty partnership, um, I, I spoke about on a daily show, but I I'll just reiterate it here for the flagship listeners is that it's not, look, it's been too quick to have something that's just they've developed in training. Obviously, they work on it in training. I'm not saying, I mean, clearly they do. But sometimes there is a natural uh, a partnership that just builds up and two guys just, their game complements each other, that one does things the other maybe doesn't do. And of course, managers are always trying to sign players like that. You can see when managers have fit together two players who don't complement each other's styles. But in this instance, these two just seem to have hit it off. And what excites me is the possibility of the longer that they do play and train together, the more that that will improve. Because there's something natural about the way they've fit together. Well, well, natural's a word because they're both natural footballers and we've spoken about Doherty because we kind of knew Doherty before he signed for Rangers and there was a a fairly, probably a bit of hype around the boy that uh, was could or could not be justified, right? Because he's only playing for Hamilton and really a lot of it was built upon the, the game he had at Ibrox. But he is an all-round football player mm. and they're, they're kind of few and far between. So what I mean by that is he can do everything or he can do everything at a pretty good standard. Just like Barry Ferguson used to do before him, guys like that. So he is playing with Goss who... Is very very similar in that he can do most things. He can put his foot in. He can pass the ball. He can go by a man. Um, he, he can do take set pieces. He can shoot. Docker, he can do the same. So what you've got is get two pretty dynamic young midfielders there, and that for me has been the, the kind of pivotal thing for the team because what you, you've got there is it's allowing Windass to go and do his thing because I've made my peace with Windass, right? <laughs> He's not a midfielder. 
Um, and I, I've got to say that if I was wanting to give Carlos Pena the benefit of doubt in this kind of striker come midfielder role, then I've got to do the same for Windass because he's excelling at it. Mm, yeah. What we've got to remember is he's not a midfielder in that formation, unfortunately. He's, he's a second striker that, that goes in. So you need two really good young, well, not necessarily young, but two energetic uh, and dynamic midfielders, and we've got that just now. I think dynamism is the key, the key word. There's just so much more fluidity and directness about the way Rangers play as you mentioned earlier there's not the passing for passing sake but nor is there no. the, the constant lumping of the long ball and the gospel the other night is is a great example of that That that's a pass I mean it's a long pass but there's nothing wrong with a good long pass um, well, it's, it's, yeah. it's the tempo the game was getting played at it was getting passed from side to side side to side and then bang you've got a fantastic ball over the top and you've got Morelis exploding onto it that's good football I think, I think in BT Sport described it as a long ball it was not a long ball it was a great pass right it was and uh, Morelos is clearly looking for it he's alive ah. to it. he's he's on the shoulder of the guy ready to go and of course he goes in and wins the penalty I did like the St Johnson keeper saying afterwards oh it wasn't a penalty because the ball touched me in the way past that doesn't matter mate the guy beat you to it right and if he flicked it into you just before you cement him it's still a penalty uh, I had to laugh at that Especially given our, our old uh, friend uh, Mr McLean and his refereeing standards Which we will come to in a wee minute But gosh, uh, some talk from Ian Holloway uh, Because uh, earlier in the week Graham Murray had said that Sean Goss is a permanent signing target And uh, uh, Ian Holloway, the QPR manager, said he was quite upset by this That he shouldn't be talking, that he being Graham Murray shouldn't be talking about his player uh, That... He's a QPR player, he's, he shouldn't be discussed by anyone, which might make post-match interviews when he scored quite difficult for Graham Murphy. <laughs> if he's got to say to the guy, don't ask me about the free kick, you need to phone Ian Holloway. Um, but he was saying he's not for sale. Now, he's done this before. Uh, a tad hypocritical, by the way, because when Charlie Adam was on loan from Rangers to Blackpool, he said, oh, I'd like to keep him. So, <laughs> you know, there, mm-hmm. do, there does seem to be a, a, a little bit of hypocrisy there. Murphy said... Things like this are usually fluid. That was the phrase he used, that, that transfer deals like this are usually fluid. And, of course, there are so many things that can change. QPR could go down. They're, they're still not safe. Holloway could be sacked and a manager could come in who doesn't fancy Sean Goss. And the player himself could say, I, I would rather stay at Rangers. So I don't think, Andy, that Graham Murphy makes that statement if it's that dead and buried that he's going back. No, I think first of all, I think Holloway's probably taking them out of context. I don't know if somebody's said it to him in his ear or if he's actually heard the interview. It's probably the, the former oh, or the I latter. Think, I think so. Because he's kind of went off at deep end a wee bit for something I thought was fairly innocuous. <laughs> and uh, as you say, there's things that play there. Holloway might not be there. Even if he is there, it might not be his decision. Mm, because I highly doubt it a director of football like we have in mm. Les Ferdinand. So if, if it runs to form, then they'll have a bigger sway in who stays and goes than the actual first-team coach. And it may come down to cold hard cash. They bought the guy for, I think it was something like half a million from Manchester United. And he's hardly kicked the ball for them for whatever reason. He's hardly kicked the ball in senior football, to be honest. But if you were to go back down there with, with a, a reasonable bid and they get a reasonable uplift in what they actually paid for the guy, then they'll think about it it's business at the end of the day it's, it's not um, any mystery and I think that's what Murty was kind of alluding to that uh, anything can happen in football and no contract is so set in stone that a player will never ever move no 
So I, I think we'll have to, if he continues the form he's had just now, he's becoming so integral to the way the team plays, it would be a sore one to lose him. And while no player is irreplaceable, you'd have to look pretty hard to find a player of his uh, qualities at a, a budget we would be able to afford and wages we'd be able to afford. But uh, I'd like to think that he's enjoying his time at Rangers and there's a couple of more good moments to come and I may just tell him that um, if he's got a choice in the matter that his future lies with us. Now, I, I thought he was just picked for man of the match the other night by an absolutely outstanding display from Alfredo Morelos. Everything yeah. I like in a striker, he was hard-working, he was physical, he bullied the two defenders fairly. Um, but but both defenders couldn't handle him at all. He of course scored a great, got a wonderful finish, and his all round game was excellent. Won the penalty as well. Chinese transfer window is closed. Can we put this to bed for a couple of months at least? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm thinking that given his demeanour and the way he's been playing and his wee win match where he had his head turned, um, I'm hoping somebody's actually sat him down and said, look. This is a trajectory your, your, your career wants to take and going to China is the part of that. Because I think it would probably, not suicidal, you can't say 30 grand a week and a big move to China at £10 million suicidal, but from a football point of view, it's not exactly the place to uh, highlight your skills to the rest of the world, is it? No. So if he does want a move to England, then there's no doubt about it. He's got to stay with Rangers. He's got to just keep doing what he's doing and he'll get his move and we'll get our money. There's nothing sure, the only thing that will stop that is a severe dip in form or, heaven forbid, injury. Mm. And the wee, boy, the wee guy's attitude is such that if he does have a dip in form, I don't think it'll be for long because he's just too uh, dogged to let things get on top of him. A bad period of form or a period where he's no scoring goals. He's just um, uh, uh, relentless, is the word I would use. That's what he's like in the park. He must be a nightmare to play against. Did you say, Davey? He's playing a game now where it's not just about his goals. His hold-up play is excellent. He's uh, physical in the right way against centre-halves. Um, and he's contributing to the way the whole team plays. And he's contributing to how Windass gets his runs as well. So uh, I hope he stays for longer than the end of this season. I really do. I don't think the Rangers fan will say otherwise. But um, if we get a season and a half out of him or whatever, and we get a fair wage and we can replace him with somebody just as exciting or as uh, promising then that is the way we've to operate that's the yeah. way we've been talking about for God knows how long about whatever way you want to call it Ajax model or whatever buying getting something out of them getting a profit moving them on replacing them oh, Absolutely and uh, that's another thing about this team that there's several players now that you look at and think you know other teams would come in for you and while on the one hand, you know, it means that you get this worry, it's a good thing because it means they're good players. If you've got a team full of guys that nobody's get, nobody are going to look at, then there's a reason for that. And I think in our team that there's several at the moment that are flying. One in particular I want to talk about in a slightly different context. First of all, praise his performance again. I thought Jamie Murphy was excellent yet again, but suffered an injury after being clogged by a St Johnston player. One of a number of tackles that went unpunished from St Johnston players the other night. I felt Andy, the referee, after 2-0, refereed the game in a sympathetic view to St Johnston, by which I mean that, I don't mean he gave them everything he didn't, but I mean that certain decisions he may well have taken had the game been tighter, he didn't. And it was almost a bit of a sympathy vote in the second half, and obviously the main one of that is the baffling decision to book the St Johnston striker for kicking out at David Bates, which is not a decision you can reach. You can either pretend you haven't seen it, 
and not do anything or you have to send him off. But if you've seen a kick, he has to go. Um, so much so that the St Johnston official Twitter feed said he was lucky not to go for blutering David Bates, which I thought was a nice turn of phrase. But this is a concern. This is now the fifth time this season that a Rangers player has had to leave the field due to injury. Sustained in a match. Now, injuries happen. I absolutely get that. But five times due to illegal challenges and not once in those five occasions has it been anything more than a talking to. So you're getting to a stage where this is not just that we won 4-1, this is not just us complaining for the sake of complaining, this is not just me having a moan about it. This is endangering players' safety. That's a fact. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, as you say, David, this isn't just football supporters moaning about referees as football supporters do. If we take a step back and we look at games over the piece, so you've got a big body of evidence there for about we watch Rangers, right? It's the only country left that I see football being played in where you still get a free boot at somebody and if it's in the first 10 minutes you get a stern look and a wee wagged finger and you get to say, oh, don't do that again. Whereas anywhere else, you get booked. If it's a booking, it's a booking whether it's the first minute or last minute. Um, the tackles you're referring to, so we've had Murphy, we've had Dorns, we've had Ryan Jack, serious, well, I don't know about Murphy yet, but Dorns and Jack certainly serious injuries. Um, and in my opinion, those happened in games where the referee lets things go, he sets the tone, player, opposition players say, well, this is how far we can push it with this guy tonight, and then eventually somebody gets injured and they're out for a period of time. We don't play a particularly physical game, I don't think Rangers, I think Rangers can mix it if they want, but we're not a physical team, we're a footballing team, I don't think there's any doubt about it. And if we're going to talk about deeper things, and we touched upon this after the Motherwell semi-final, uh, if we're going to get, look at deeper things like the future of Scottish football, the way we play football as a as a, a nation, and the way our league is portrayed, then the refereeing plays a huge, huge part in it, because we still reward physicality. Mm. There's no question about it. If you've got a team and they're physical, Referees will say, well, let's see what you play. It's a man's game. And, and at nine times out of ten, you'll get away with it so far until to the point where you can actually pull yourself back. And by that time, you've maybe got your rewards as you're still in the game or whatever. So the, I hate to bring Mr Lennon into it, but Lennon's point was right about refereeing standards. Where he was wrong was that he's going on about it as if he's only a, a manager that's ever <laughs> suffered under a referee. Aye. But he's got a point, and I think... How do you approach it? I don't want Murty going out and slagging every referee, right? Um, I don't particularly want Rangers going in the Celtic route or putting public pressure on referees either. But what I do want them doing is the bag channels. Speak to, uh, I can't remember who the referee supervisor is now, talk to them on a consistent basis, point out things to them that they feel are unfair or that are causing, as you say, risk to our players and our assets and make sure that it's brought up time and again. Um, because... Uh, this is intrinsic. This is something that I strongly believe is integral to the way Scottish football goes forward. You can't get any bigger than that. I don't like, I'm the same as you, I don't really like the idea of a manager having to come out and, you know, make political points. Because that, that's what it is when a Rodgers or whatever does it. But if yeah. it is, it's to put pressure on them for an individual match, which I get has crept into modern football, but I, I don't like it. So, you know, I'm just being upfront about that. But. If the SFA aren't prepared to allow 
an adult debate about the standard of refereeing, which is not good enough. It, it just clearly isn't. I, you're not being unfair to suggest that. This is not Rangers only. This is a, a universally agreed thing among fans of Scottish football clubs who can't agree on anything else. And unless you are prepared to have a frank discussion about it and be growing up and admit that, that there are things that the referees are doing wrong and, and seek to address it, the SFA get very defensive. And I understand because, you know, referees do put up with a lot of shit. Absolutely they do. They have trouble getting people to come into the game. But a concern of mine is because of that, a siege mentality develops and referees don't get critiqued at the level I think they need to to develop into top referees in a way that in England, for example, they do because down there they are professionals, so therefore they are judged, if you like, as professionals. Whereas up here, because they are essentially, you know, part timers, volunteers, for whatever better word, mm-hmm. they do receive a decent match fee, it should be pointed out. But the the SFE don't allow any criticism or discussion and reject any criticism of their officials whereas quite clearly we have an issue with refereeing in this country to the point that yes you're right it's an unusual position to be in that I agree with Neil Lennon now a lot of that's to do with the fact that um, a lot of the stuff I've talked about is to do with the fact that there was a big referee strike caused primarily by Neil Lennon but uh, the fact is he's right when he talks about the standards of refereeing but again where the hypocrisy comes in there is that he didn't do it after the beating game uh, at Ibrox and if, ref, if if managers are going to be selfish and only do it yeah. when it hurts their team then that for nothing, if nothing else it damages their credibility because the SFA then have their ready made excuse to say well you never said any, you know you only say it when it goes against you um, it's just you know in this case you're green tinted goggles uh, and in our case are blue tinted ones but you're right we reward physicality or we don't punish it in a way that other countries do you do get the first 10 minutes. You get the first 10 minutes to absolutely crunch somebody and crunch them to a standard where you're putting them out of the game for months. And that, that just yep. does not encourage good football. That Ball players will not come here if they know that... You know, Graham Murty alluded to the fact that Jamie Murphy's the type of guy who likes to hold on to the ball and make things happen. Well, you know, if Jamie Murphy thinks every time I do this, I'm going to get kicked and possibly risk being out... He's going to either fundamentally alter his game in a negative way or he's going to face months on the treatment table. And players like him in future are just going to go, nah, I'm not not putting up with that. Yep. So you ask yourself, David, how many teams in the SPFL would you call a footballing team? Uh, Hamilton, maybe? Celtic, ourselves? Celtic, No Aberdeen. No Hearts. No, definitely no Hearts. Hibs can be. Maybe, yep. Hibs Hibs Um, can be. Kelly... Kelly, I would say. Kelly, I Well, they mixed that quite a bit when we were doing there, but there's no a team you'd say, do you know what, they play good football. Like, you would used to say about, um, I don't know, Tony Mowbray's Hibs, right? They're right. shite. No, 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 they, no, they, well, they, play, they played good stuff. They did. They were inconsistent, but, but they played good stuff. Aye. But, but their intentions were footballing. If, if, if we go back to, I don't remember what World Cup or what season it was, but there seemed to be a sea change just in a snap of a finger one close season where... Tackles were um, viewed differently. You know, we're getting booked and sent off. Do you remember that? I, I, I can't imagine this. No, 94 World Cup. 94 but, World um, Cup, right. Guys were getting sent off for very little. I, um, and everybody was saying what's happening here, but that's kind of the norm now. People know, particularly in England, you know what's a send off, it's a red card, and there's no surprise when it happens. Do you, do you think that's passed us by? 
I do. I think that up here the referees still. I, I just think factually you can't watch a Scottish game and not think that because in the opening ten minutes, if in that period a bad tackle goes in that at any other point in the match will lead to a yellow card, sometimes more, oh. then it would. It needs to be a really vicious assault, and even then it will get a booking in that first ten minutes. Yeah. There seems to be this golden period where. Yeah. Guys are allowed to make tackles that normally they would be brought up for. There's also the fact that sometimes referees up here, I think, fear giving out a lot of cards because they, you know, this ties into their reputation a little bit, and they therefore try to. Maybe it's a mental thing that they're going. Now nah, I want to get a twenty minutes without the first booking because aye, otherwise aye. I'll have four or five. But there, there's no way you can watch Scottish football, and I'm not just talking about Rangers. But watch any Scottish football match, and that that. A skillful attacker, a Jordan Jones at Kelly, for example, will get uh-huh. crunched early on by one of the opposition players with the idea being that I know I can do this now, whereas if I do it later, one, he'll have mm-hmm. half an hour to go against me and two, I'll get booked. So yeah, I mean, it, it, it happens all the time. And, and that's understandable for, for the referee's point of view, the way you're describing that there, David, I can get that. A referee might be thinking, I need to keep the lid in this so I finish the game with 20-21 players, right? But they've made that rod for their own back um, because the players know that they can go out and try that. If you brought in a, a fairly more uh, strict kind of view of tackles of that nature, Hamilton, they know Hamilton. Motherwell would be in the shit straight away because that is their game. Physicality from minute one to minute 90, they'll push it as far as they can. And again, this goes back to what do we want for Scottish football? What kind of football do we want to be promoting in, in, the, in our leagues, our senior leagues? You, you mentioned adult conversation about this. Now, how do we tackle it? Do we allow the referees to come out and say, right, this is what actually was going through my mind at that time, and I, I still feel I'm right, or I've made a mistake? That would be great. However, if you do that, you've got to have a culture and an environment where if a referee was to come out and say, do you know what, I made a mistake there, that you wouldn't get absolutely vilified or you wouldn't get fucking arses like Lennon coming out and saying, you're costing me points, you're costing me European places, you might cost me a job. You've got to have managers which, to be fair to Marty, he's got a level-headed, at least in public, kind of approach to it where he'll say, right, well, we're all human, whatever. It allows the kind of debate to breathe, whereas if you have a debate and immediately it's, it's jumped on by desperate managers who fucking want to win at all costs, then... It'll never work. It'll actually just drive referees through the game. So it's getting a balance, just like everything else, it's like getting a balance between encouraging players to play football, encouraging the right kind of football, encouraging referees to um, come into the game because without referees we've not got a game. This is the thing that we often forget when we vilify these guys that I wouldn't be a referee for, my, for a pension. No. Oh. Um, so... We've got to actually make sure that we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater here and we don't just go to uh, extremes with them. And uh, if you see me on a Saturday, then that's not what I'm doing. I'm going <laughs> these guys, right? But in my quieter moments, you say to yourself, well, we've got to actually make this work like anything else. So the 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 culture needs to change. I think there needs to be uh, leadership from uh, the supervisors, SFA, and, and there needs to be then communication to the players and the clubs and saying, look, this is the way it's going to be from now on. You're going to see bookings for this. You're going to see sending offs for that. It's not going to be acceptable anymore. You've been fed the information. You need to act on it. You've been told. 
Yeah, I because agree. I, I, I think that's it's going to there's going to be a watershed moment at some point, David. Yeah, because as I say, we're, we're seeing guys that we want to see play football. Being, I mean, it, it's the old cliche, but it's true. It's it's never the hackers that end up being out for nine months. You know, the guys that just no. blotter the ball forward all the time. It's the skillful players. It's the guys you pay your money to watch, and and they're not being allowed to deliver that. And of course, you know, you just need to look at the results of of the kind of football culture we have in Scotland and the effect of the players that we've brought through to the point where. A Greg Docker is a rarity. Generally speaking, with it, when Rangers sign a Scottish player, it's because they've been somewhere else and learned, you know, or flourished somewhere mm-hmm. else. It's not mm-hmm. been because of of our league. Now, obviously, Graham Murty is in charge until the end of the season. We know this. He's doing quite well, and the team has improved. There's just no arguing about that. They're a better side now than they were before the window. That's a fact. A lot of that is to do with Mark Allen's signings and I think he deserves a hell of a lot of credit for that. He's, he's been allowed to get on with the job now and, and I think we're, we've already started to reap the rewards of that. But you can't downgrade the fact that Murray is still the man who's you know picking the team and getting the results. So, so credit does need to be uh, given to him as well. He's in for the job permanently. I've always felt, I'll review it at the end of the season, but I'll be honest and say that in my heart of hearts, I was always, nah, we need better. The other night, last couple of days, it got me thinking, Andy, that, well, if we can get better, obviously we should, but if we are looking at McInnes-level managers, I'm not entirely sure that this guy isn't as good and potentially better in much the same way as a Greg Doherty you sign and you're excited about his his ability moving forward and as he develops maybe we're kind of at the stage where we can't get that type of manager unless almost like players they're either on the upswing or the downswing and that if we have an opportunity here to grow our own and in fact have gone through the worst of that period you know the growing pains period Maybe it would be beneficial to us to just go, okay, you know, one year deal or 18 month or whatever, rolling contract, let's see how you do. Or is that possibly me being a little bit naive and giddy with the last few weeks? Uh, uh, well, obviously, we've, we've had a lot of chat between the pointers about this, and there's been various uh, viewpoints on it. Uh, I think the context we've got to remember is that. Marty uh, is on the longest job interview in history mm. and it's the hardest job interview in history because he's been judged on results for Rangers um, and that's a pressure cooker at the best of times uh, the expectations there everything else, we all know that with Rangers supporters I think that I think that what he's done with this squad and in conjunction with Mark Allen, because let's not forget that that's a partnership that's got to be working uh, between manager and director of football, that's integral to what happens in our, our football pitch. I think he's done exceptionally well, and it's not just about the results in the park. Let's look at the way we're playing. We're an exciting football team to watch. It's good to go and watch Rangers just now, because when we click, it's fucking brilliant. We've got attacking players, we play with pace, we've got um, energy, we've got a good team harmony, it appears, and everything is going in the right direction. But to do that under the kind of uh, circumstances that he's been placed in is not easy, and he's done it. So 
I, I was with you, Davey, a couple of weeks ago, if you'd asked me, and I said, right, well, let's, let's wait and see. But I think what's happened is the results today and those things I've just men- mentioned are undeniable. And I think if we'd brought in a, 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 a an inverted commas, more experienced manager or a name, I don't know if that had been achieved. Well, it's not something that just happens. There's, there's, there's got to be something in Marty's makeup that has allowed him to make this happen. Whether it's his manner on the part, uh, manner in the dressing room, manner on the training ground, I don't know. But he's done something that's, um, well, Kachinia can do it. Warburton can do it to a point. Um, so I, I think it's there from to lose. I also think that even if we get beat um, against, against Celtic, I don't think. That'll have much bearing on the outcome. I think there would need to be a cataclysmic drop in form or a, a ridiculously bad exit for the Scottish Cup, a surprise exit uh, for, for Murty to not get his job. And I've said a couple of times in the pod, so I've said things like we need to persevere at some point. We need to persevere the director of football. I've said that before. I think we're now at the point where you've got something and it looks good, it looks as if it's working and it feels right. Let's persevere with it. And uh, if you then say to me, right, well, it could get better. Well, probably could, but, but who? And what guarantee is there? Well, there's none with anyone, and that's, I think, the issue, that we could yep. get in the perfect manager. We could also get a Pedro Mark too, unfortunately. Or we could get someone whose track record does look good but doesn't work out for yep. whatever reason. And, you know, you look at McInnes and you think, God, we could have been lumbered with him for really for three years and we wouldn't be watching <laughs> football like this. No, seriously, and we wouldn't be watching football like uh-huh. this. And we would all have kind of taken it because he was established. Well, maybe in a wee bit like bringing through a, a youngster, maybe you're better off bringing through a coach because we've done, as I say, the hard yards with that. You know, he's gone through mm-hmm. the, the the probationary period, if you like, and he seems to be actually growing into it as opposed to fading under the spotlight. So I, I don't know. As I say, I think the next two weeks will probably go a long way to deciding. Um, while you might be right in saying that if he loses that match, it probably wouldn't count against them. If he was to win that match, I think it would severely um, help his chances of, of getting that. And, you know, and rightly so. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the games that we've lost or any of the kind of poorer results we've had under them, so Dundee away was a bit of an aberration. You had Hamilton at home. But every game, or almost every game, bar Hibs, that he's had since he's been given the tools that Mark Allen's given him, so post-transfer window, there's no argument with uh, They've been always done blemished, apart from the Hibs game, which, as I say, was a kind of, it was one of the games that could, you could have lost any other day. So, uh, if you want, want my opinion, I think we should give him it. I think we should persevere. I think we've got something going. The players are responding. There seems to be a plan in place. And I keep reiterating the dynamic between him and Mark Allen seems to be uh, something that works. And Definitely. That, I think that is a major, major thing in who we would have as our next manager. Because if you bring in a manager, which is kind of saying, well, director of football, I'll deal with it. Rather than a, a manager comes in and absolutely embraces it and understands intrinsically how that works in a football club, then there's a big, big difference. And I think that's what McInnes' problem is. Yeah, I think so. And he wasn't going to get it. Um, you're right. Whereas somebody that, that knows the working conditions and responds positively to it, 
who's already there is, is somebody that you, you definitely need to consider. Now, I'm also a great believer in that you, when things change for the better or for the worse, you look at what has changed. And one of the things that did change, of course, was Rangers brought in Jimmy Nicholl. So we better yeah. credit to him as well here because, you know, I, I think it would be unfair to suggest that he hasn't had any influence at all. I think that he's came in and you have seen the the confidence levels of the player rise and I wonder if that is to do with with Jimmy Nicol and the, the type of coach that Jimmy Nicol is because he's he's yeah. coaching there, he's the assistant manager but he, he works with the players a lot and obviously if you're the assistant manager at any club you have that relationship with the players that is possibly even stronger than with the manager because you spend more time with yeah. it and maybe throw a wee bit of love Jimmy's way yeah, definitely. Uh, we've got a young team, and uh, as you say, when a training ground, you've got a young team. Sometimes it's the word in the year that makes all the difference. Um, and I think under Pedro, you had Hildar Baptista, was it? Mm-hmm. Hildar Baptista. He was a kind of link between the manager and the, and the players, and he seemed an affable guy and all the rest of it. But uh, I think Jimmy Nichols an upgrade on that uh, because he's been there and he's done it. He knows the club. And uh, I, I don't think, I think it'd be remiss to say that. The changes we've seen since the transfer window, that he's you know, had a, a fairly big hand in that as well. Takes the pressure off Marty as well because he's allowed to then go and do the, the things that a manager's supposed to do. Uh, and again, I would also throw it out to Johansson as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He seems to be, he seems to be fairly influential in the dugout on a Saturday. So um, it's all about chemistry, isn't it? And that's why, again, we're getting back to who do we want as the next manager? You can't create light in a ball. <laughs> As I say, you've got heart and hands, you can't just go out and recreate it. No. You've got to actually, uh, sometimes you get that wee bit of luck where things just come together, you've got the right people in the right place and the right dynamics, and uh, that that's how it feels just now, David, and, and you don't want to jinx it because we're always, as you know, one or two games away from our crisis at Rangers, but since Christmas, the, 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 the signs have been so positive that you can't just dismiss it and say, ah, well, any manager could do that. Any manager candidate, as we found out. Well, absolutely. Um, I, that's, I think, one of the greatest myths that that you can have in football that anyone can do. It. And Manchester City are a good example of that. You know, they've had managers yeah. who had untold millions to spend, but they didn't play like this. You know, um, so you're right. It's it's a false. A false one, idea. Th- one thing I would add is that for long and weary, since we've had our trials and tribulations, it's always been about. Um, for me, a desire to see the whole club and the whole support pulling in the one direction. And what you've finally got now is you've got, as time goes by, the stability off the fa- off the park becomes more and more apparent and all the naysayers and all the shit that gets written just gets washed off. right? And I think things like Morelis' bid getting punted out the window, that's a huge signal that this club is getting run the right way now, that the club is putting football first because we're now in a position where we can put football decisions first. And then that translates down onto the management, the director of football, and then eventually, if all goes well, that's supposed to translate in a part. I think we're seeing that now. Mm-hmm. I think the club is finally in a pretty good place where we can look forward and say, right, well, barring major, major disasters, I think we've got a, a, an upward trajectory. The supporters feel it. You just need to go in a way game. The supporters know that if we keep going, we'll get the rewards. Might not be this season, might not be next season, but we'll get the rewards because the club's no for going backwards now. 
Now, Andy, you are my go-to guy on uh, matters financial when it comes to Rangers off the field stuff. The latest this week was Dave King lost his appeal in uh, the High Court in Edinburgh with regards to having to make a, a bid, a statutory bid for the rest of the shares of the company because if you go through 30% of a company or ownership, 30% of a company, or rather control, I believe is the phrase, of 30% of a company, you are legally obliged to then bid for the rest of the shares at the price when you took control. And uh, Dave King has been ordered by the takeover panel to do so. He has fought that, saying that he's not in control of 30% of the club. They have said that he acted in concert with the three bears um, to to get himself over over that mark. Now, his appeal this week was... The bid is highly unlikely to be accepted because the the price of the shares then was twenty pence. They're now trading around twenty eight pence, I believe, uh, and likely to go up. So nobody's going to sell at those prices. Um, but he's obliged to make the offer, and I believe that the total cost of the portfolio and everything, uh, the the sales portfolio is is round about half a million pounds, which is why he's trying to avoid doing it. But this week, although he lost the appeal, one of the things that changed was that. Previously, it was said that the the bid had to come from him. And the reason that it's mm-hmm. annoying, he can't just make this bid knowing that for anyone listening, they say, well, why don't you just make the bid and wait for it to be rejected? You have to show proof of funds, so you have to ring fence the amount it would cost if everybody did, um, which would be around about £11 million. Uh, Dave King had said that he didn't have that personally. That's where all the kind of skint headlines and, and uh, Tim Wankfodder came from. But this week, although he lost the appeal, that he, he the, the judge ruled that he was in fact acting in concert and did control 30% of the club, that the bid could come through his trust, um, N-O-A-L. Andy, what's the long and the short of this? The long and the short of it is that it doesn't have any actual material impact on us as a club, except it's a tremendous pain in the arse for our major shareholder and, if you were, for lack of a better word, our major benefactor. So um, it seems to me to be the last kind of kicking of balls that the, the Spurs could get. Right, they've pushed this forward because it's a pointless exercise um, offering uh, 20p for shares that are worth more than 20p. Uh, it'll cost King or his trust money to, as you say, set up the kind of actual mechanism just to make the offer. It's a substantial amount of money that no matter how rich you are, you're going to say why. And I think that's why he's took it to appeal, and I, but I believe he might even be able to take it to a further appeal. I'm yeah, not sure. He, he can take it um, to, the, to the basically uh, the Supreme Court. He's got another another Supreme team. Court. Right. So uh, I don't think it has any major impact on us because um, if I don't think it's going to cost them that much, as much money as it potentially could. So that eleven million eleven million pound figure that he's going to produce as proof of of uh, funds, if you like, I don't think it'll ever come anywhere near that. Um, even if some people do accept the offer that he's, he's been given. Um, the thing about King is it's about a King, it's about King of the person or individual, and it's about him and his, his trust, New Oasis Assets Limited or something, NOAL. Uh, the, the trust is the legal entity which holds the shares, his shares, if you like, in Rangers. So I think, now I'll be glad to be correct in this because I'm not read into it too much, but I think the big difference between the, the rule in this week and what we thought previously was that the, the trust can make the offer as opposed to King as an individual. Now, you mentioned the skint headlines and the rest of it. High net worth clients like Dave King generally do not have millions of cash lying about. Yes. Right? It's usually working in some capacity for them. So it'll be a wee bit of wrangling for him to make sure that this trust can 
can do which required uh, as per the, the, the uh, judgment. But in the long and short, uh, David, I don't think it's going to have a tremendous impact on us as a club. It's a thing that Dave Kynes would deal with, and it might cost him a few bob in the short term, but it's not a fatal blow or anything that would cause me undue concern. He, he got into this, and to be honest, he's, he's come into this whole thing um, with Rangers, and it's been the biggest game of poker Andrew could enter, <laughs> and he's played it He's played it pretty well, right? Because if you go back to the boycott days, and I'm not ramble on for too long, but if you go back to the boycott days, I wasn't particularly in favour of the boycott because I thought King was playing a huge game of poker with our club that if he didn't get the shears at the right time or in time, we were we were gone, really gone. Um, so he's he's get balls. I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. Whether you like Dave King or no, he's get balls. He took it to the wire, and ever since then, between his deal with Ashley and this and everything else, he's had to contend with lesser men would walk away or say, "Can what? Fuck this." Mm. He's, he's went through it all and he's dealt with it. And I think this is just another domino that's going to fall in the way and eventually we come out the other end, him as an individual and us as a club. Now, our next match is scheduled for Sunday against Falkirk at home in the Cup. And I'll be honest, Andy, I'm not entirely sure I see it going ahead given the weather ah. conditions in Scotland at the moment and the mood the, of the police to big events at the moment. Uh, the weather forecast for the next few days, although it's not as bad in the west as it is in the east, it's it's not great. And certainly being over here in the west, although it's um, nowhere near as snowy uh, today, it it's still freezing. So there's no chance of the snow that has fallen uh, thawing. So I'll, I'll be honest, I, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the game, but I don't know if I see... The permission being given It's not a pitch issue or anything It's just I, I don't think the police will want people travelling And there's also the fact yeah. that we don't know What public transport's going to be like on Sunday either No and To be honest my Tesco's have just descended For fucking Tuesday so <laughs> Get back out on Sunday This day Tell me we're to be honest So um, <laughs> So what I, what I would say is that um, I hope it goes ahead because I'd like to get a game in Before I see up the game apart from anything else And if we do play I've read or heard folk talking about resting players this and that. I don't want to rest anybody. That's I want to win, win the Scottish Cup. Yeah. I don't want any chances taken whatsoever. Um, I don't think we're so good I'll, enough at the moment to leave out seven or eight. Yeah, you can bring Cummings and you can bring Alves and I've no problem with either of those. Yep. But the idea of, of dropping six or seven players and bringing in you know your whole holiday those type of guys and well to give them a game this is too important Aye. for us to, to give them a game and yet Falkirk have had a poor season we all know that and it's at Ibrox but the fact is is that Falkirk have got absolutely nothing to lose here and Ibrox being the way it is if Falkirk were to get a goal ahead it's, it's an unnecessary risk for me Andy I think you play Okay, maybe not your strongest team, but a bloody strong one. And and even in the case of having Cummings play, you know, Morelos is on the bench kind of thing. You don't mm-hmm. take unnecessary risks in this fixture. No, I think we are in a, posi- a better position where before I have a, a genuine rotation where you're, you're replacing somebody with somebody else that's of a, a similar quality. So Cummings is the example, Alves is the example, Wallace if he's fit, for example. So we, we, we can do that, but I don't think what he's going to change as much as we're putting about the team and how they're playing, uh, I don't think it's going to change anything that's going to, as you say, even hold the door ajar for, for Falkirk to, to do something. They've had a shit season, but what they have done is they've consolidated a wee bit since Hartley came in. 
Um, so club games, anything can happen. We've got to take care of business. Um, so I hope it goes ahead because, as I say, it was a good boost to get the, the game out of the way um, before we go in. And I don't particularly want to have a 10-day uh, hiatus until we play Celtic. Although I would say that by that same token, I think Celtic may be in the same position because, uh, like I say, at this point, I'm, I'm not sure I see any games in Scotland going ahead. This no, week. I can't see any games playing in play, to be honest. But uh, I Celtic are in the same position, but... Um, no, I, I just I don't know. I don't think it'll happen, but I would love to see it happen. But there we go. I'm not, I'm not an expert in football. I'm certainly not an expert in weather. <laughs> I, I, I can assure people that we know that it is fucking snowy at this point, and that's about <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, at the moment, it doesn't look too good. Speaking of which, it's with a very heavy heart I've got to announce that we've had to postpone our live show in Dunfermline this uh, this Saturday night, which was scheduled uh, with us and, and Kevin Thompson. Um, after talks with the venue, there's just no way it's in Dunfermline. They've been hit really badly, and their their feeling is is that you you know our our people who would be coming out to see it may not be able to, and uh, you know there's no point people taking a risk. So. It was with a very heavy heart we had to do it. We're all absolutely gutted. Your tickets are still valid and we are rearranging another date um, as, as soon as we can. It will be uh, either in April or at the very start of May. So please keep a hold of your tickets. If you want a refund, then all you need to do is get in touch with me. Uh, it's at da230315 at gmail.com. That's da Two three zero three one five at gmail dot com. I would hope you wouldn't, because we will be coming. We will be doing the show, um, and at least maybe hold on and see till we announce the rearranged date, which we will do hopefully over the next uh, the next two or three days. But we're gutted, but we just we kind of take the risk of of people um, coming out and getting stuck for one thing, or maybe you know the the complete waste of money it would be for people if we go ahead and do the show. Um, for selfish reasons, but then people can't make it. Uh, it would just that wouldn't be fair. So we do apologise. There will be a show. Kev's committed to it. There's no problems there. Um, it's just, as I say, just uh, one of these things. It's 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 all hard. So Andy, if we are to uh, to see a game this weekend, if it does go ahead, what's your prediction? Uh, I would say clean sheet and a few goals. So I'll go for three nothing. I'm going to say if it goes ahead, I think Rangers will win 4-0. Especially if it's snowing because we're so good in, in the snow. <laughs> so we've had a lot of practice recently. I'll go 4-0. Folks, if you like listening to us here on Heart and Hand, you know we're here Mondays and Thursdays with our free shows, but you can also get hours and hours of extra content over on our Patreon subscription site. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash heart and hand. When we started, we were hoping to do an extra 20 to 25 hours per month. We're doing round about 45 to 50 hours per month. There's so much content you can just pick and choose. But especially if we're facing a weekend with no football, this is a great time to try it out. If you're if you're stuck in the house, you'll find loads and I'm sure you'll like it. So go and give us a, a wee try. But uh, even if you don't fancy that and you just like us twice a week we will be back here on Monday um, might not have a lot to talk about but we'll be back here on Monday regardless I'd like to thank my executive producers in London Mr Mike Lee and Mr Paul Miles and to thank my guests tonight the ever wonderful Mr Andy McGowan Pleasure as always David thanks Thank you very much for listening folks and we'll be back on Monday Cheers, bye
Social Podcast Network.